There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com. From the Intercontinental Hotel in Dubai Festival City. This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 special. Live at the Emirates Airline Festival of Literature. Hear from the world's greatest writers. You are listening to a Dubai Eye special at the Emirates Airline Festival of Literature with me, Sonal and Noni, alongside me. Hi there. And so from structural engineering now, we like to keep it interesting. We're switching it up just a little bit. We're talking comedy, jazz, rap. I'm very pleased to say I have Harry Baker, World Poetry Slam champion beside me. Welcome, Harry. Hello. Thanks for having me. As well as Chris Reed, a jazz musician. That's me. Hello, hello. Hi. So is your guys' first time here in Dubai? First time as a duo. Yeah, Harry's been here on his own before. Harry, I have to call you out a little bit because I was looking at your Twitter account. I saw yes. that you're making some Dubai-based jokes. <gasps> Care to really, share? Really, please. Are they suitable for radio? Oh, so suitable. Okay. So... We were in, you know, we were having a wonder, doing a bit of shopping, and I said to Chris, the thing about shopping centers is once you've seen one, you've seen them all. Wah, wah. Seen them all. I love a good dad I joke, though. I appreciated I'm it. I'm not even a dad yet, though. That's the problem. <laughs> Chris has at least got that excuse that I'm just preparing myself. Oh, I love it. Well, just a little bit of background. So Harry has published an anthology called The Sunshine Kid. We're going to talk more about that in just a bit. Also has won the best spoken word show of the Edinburgh Fringe Festival in 2015, which is just massive. Um, Chris, of course, is a jazz musician, as we discussed, performing his original music at festivals across the world. And you guys are teaming up to bring your comedy jazz rap act to the UAE for the very first time, 7.30 tonight here at the festival. Tell me a little bit about comedy jazz rap. Is this a thing or is this a thing you guys just made up? Yeah, we thought uh, the best way to get on top of a genre would be to invent a genre. Okay, so like it. We started with that, um, but we've been performing together since we were kind of 13, 14 years old. Uh, and when we decided to go to the Fringe, we, we thought, well, Harry's got these amazing poems, as you mentioned, so how about we put a couple of them to music, as well as doing all the songs you used to do when we were kids. And um, we just threw together an hour for fun um, at the Edinburgh Fringe in 2016. And it's kind of been going from there. And, and we've been doing it more and more. We've done four shows now, and we're going to be performing one of them tonight. Do you guys remember the very first time that you met? I mean, I thought I figured that you guys went back, but I didn't realize you went that far back to 13. I think we both remember it differently. One of my earliest memories is Chris did a paper round at our kind of local newsagent delivering newspapers, and I joined the same shop. So we would see each other at sort of 6.30 a.m., uh, but I was, I was a bit earlier than he was, so I managed to rise above him in the ranks no, no, but we and get two rounds to <laughs> Just a one. little competitive, we, right? We knew each other, because I got you that job, <laughs> so we at least knew each other well enough for that. But the first, we, <laughs> I remember hanging out at, at football games and things. I remember watching Harry play cricket in, that was year six, and you are in year five. Um, and then, but prior to that, the first time we shared a stage, we were actually aged five and six. What? Oh, yes. What was that performance like? Do that, you look back at the video? Do you have a video? Unfortunately oh. not. But we worked out, we essentially worked, we went back and worked out that we would, we would have been on stage at the same time. I have no recollection of it. Were um, there costumes involved? Oh, yeah. It was a nativity, so you got oh, to have costumes. I mean, it looks a bit like I was Mary, but I feel like that's, <laughs> even for better than that was quite progressive. But you're meant to be a sheep. I think so. <laughs> I just, 
Joseph and the Sheep holding baby Jesus. <laughs> well, Chris, you have brought your guitar yeah. along with you, and I'm really excited about this because you guys are going to give us a little bit of a live sample about what we can expect tonight. Absolutely. All right, should we go for it? Here mm -hmm. we go. Here, well, we'll just hold up that microphone for your guitar so we can hear that. Uh, this song is called Intro. All right. Play it at the start. One, two, one, two. I didn't have to do a mic check, but I want to, want to. This bit seems to go well in the live show, so we're doing it in this one, two, one, two. One, two, one, two. One, two, one, two. This is the intro. Tell them who we are if they didn't know. Get a bit of info for a bit, show them what the info. Maybe, Maybe even get, get them info. So when I say hello, you see it on the radio, it's quite hard to do audience interaction. Hello. Hello. Radio, 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 hard to do audience interaction. interaction. You're absolutely right. <laughs> Let's get on with it. Got a quick chorus now, then a longer bit. So if you know the words you think you might be really good at guessing them, feel free to sing along with it. So it's Harry. And it's Chris. We're well, Harry, Harry and Chris. Just so nice. Monster us to marry their kids Just so cool Kissing us to marry their mothers So, so we, we gotta, gotta sit together like the Mario Brothers, brothers. Even McCartney and Lennon were less tight We're like Batman and Robin with less tights Think Spock and Kirk But one of us is not a nerd Starsky and Hutch But one of us is a nerd Jamie and Andy Venus and Serena But when we play tennis our screams are Serena Told Chris half his technique is astonishing I guess that's a backhanded compliment Let's cradle in the Cray twins And we ain't twins We're like Bonnie and Clyde less renowned for violence They say these folk rock Like Simon and Garfunkel That never gets a laugh, just the sound of silence Hello darkness my We've old friend We've upgraded the tail. We're like Sonic and Knuckles Together we're tight Like a belt and a buckle we're Trying to stay afloat Like Tom Sawyer and Huckle And like Paul and Barry We like a good chance to subvert the rhyme scheme You know what they say It takes two to part the duh We're like Dumb and Dumber But smarter more smarter A whole new world like Jasmine and Aladdin Yeah but whack another Aladdin And then get rid of Jasmine it's Just two guys Two guys, two men We're like Joey and Chandler Because we are friends We're like Monica and Phoebe Because we are friends We're like Rachel and Phoebe. Because we are friends We're like Ross and Rachel Cause everyone's thinking Get on with it already There we go Oh, I want to Yay Guys, I am like just My face right now I'm beaming That was so much fun What an introduction I feel like we know you now There we go I know, go. exactly I get your whole vibe together too Yeah, We realise it's quite hard to describe what we do so if we could put it in song form it would just save everyone some time it's a good how do you write how do you write um it, it's kind of evolved over time it started you know i would write my poems and chris would write his music and we would just plunk one on top of the other but we lived together for a year as we were kind of beginning it in this form and so we had a whiteboard on the wall and it was it was it was the dream it was like being in a sitcom but we would kind of bounce the ideas off each other so now even though we live in different places we have kind of shared Google documents that we kind of add little things to. And a lot of songs just start off by trying to make each other laugh. I think, you know, because we've been friends since we were kids, essentially, we've always had that shared sense of humour and ease around each other. And so having that as a starting point feels like a, a nice thing. Yeah. You can tell me what's going through your brain, though, as you're constructing that, because when you just have a musicality that's mixed with those kind of lyrics, uh, what's the process in your brain in terms of also the different areas that you're taking to and the different subject matter? Um, I think it's always what makes us laugh first. So when, we're, when we start writing a song, it's, it will literally be out of a conversation. So, I mean, that one was very much, we need a song to introduce ourselves. So what makes us laugh? 
comparing ourselves to these, <laughs> these crazy double acts throughout history and how we're different to them, but we're still a, technically a double act. But um, in terms of constructing a song, in terms of structural engineering of a song, <laughs> oh, to link look it at from that. the last game. Nice, uh, nicely done. <laughs> but the music, music follows its own logic and words follow their own logic as well. So, you know, the ba most basic form is rhyme. So things, how, how they rhyme together, but then the syllabic structure and Harry's a mathematician as well. So everything is... Oh, that's making more sense now. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, maths and language. Maths yeah. and language, absolutely. It's, uh, Harry's got his incredible wordplay structures, which, which are very beautiful when you deconstruct them, as well as being just like amazing to listen to and take for the pun. But I want to ask you about that, actually, because, Harry, that's not a common combination that you see. People tend to put things in silos. You're either creative or you have a logical brain. Yes. Clearly, you're somebody who's decided you're going to go for both. Yes. How did that... So what happened first? Was it the spoken word first? And then was it happening at the same time that you realized you're passionate about both? Yeah, I think when I started, I loved that in my head they were very separate things. So I was studying maths at university and would write these poems on the side almost as a way to escape. But I think the more that I sat with both of these things, they've both got their processes. But I think they're also about trying to figure stuff out and find answers. You know, maths isn't just plugging things into formulas. It's about exploration and searching for truth and that kind of thing. So I think the more philosophical side of maths ties into the poetry more than I realized. Is this a, is this a new genre itself, the, the maths uh, professional turned comedian? Because I've been watching a lot of Ramesh Ranganathan lately, oh. and uh, he's, I mean, well, you're one in the same, aren't you? has done rap battles. He's a kindred spirit, mm. for sure. Are you, are you mates? Do you hang out? Do you, do you share the same stage? Not yet, but if you're listening, Ramesh, <laughs> give me a call. Ramesh, we're calling on you. Who did, who did inspire you both growing up? We used to watch a lot of Flight of the Concords. Yeah, they're a big yeah. musical Fellow Antipodean here. Come Absolutely. on. <laughs> <laughs> and tell me a little bit now, Chris, about jazz music. Mm. Why jazz? What was the point in time that you realized as a musician that that was the genre that was speaking to you? Um, I think uh, I'd done a bunch of different genres before. I did, I did the pop thing for a while, kind of writing for different artists, um, gigged in rock bands for a bit as well. And then um, I just got a, a bit bored, really. I busked for years and years on London Underground. And to be honest, I, I went into jazz for myself uh, to just get find more interesting chords and things like that. And it just felt very, uh, felt very kind of nice at the time. It was, it was a kind of purely selfish decision. And then that provided a, a kind of a, a gig circuit that I got into in London and ended up gigging three or four times a week. And, and uh, yeah, it became, it became a nice a genre home. But it's, 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 yeah, I like it. It's thriving in London as well. Was there a certain point for both of you? I mean, is this, this is a full-time gig. Mm. What was the point at which you thought, we can make a career out of this. This is what we're going to do for money. This is insane. Can we, we do we've this? We've not got to that point yeah. yet. <laughs> You know, I mean, but you know what I'm saying is there's growing up, there's this sense of certain things are hobbies, certain yeah. things are career worthy. And I think we're moving away from those traditional notions, which is good. Mm, yeah. But at the same time, how do you have the courage to yeah. decide that you're going to pursue something that's a little bit unconventional? Well, I think we both, you know, were fortunate enough to, to start out early. And so we were doing yeah. it after school for fun and even you know when I was at university I was writing poems in my spare time so by the time I graduated there had been three four years of 
you know, gigging and, and networking and those things without the... Pre- you know, I was still calling myself a student rather than a poet. And I think when we came back together to create this act, you know, that was both being full-time solo artists. So it, it didn't have that pressure on it. And so it was possible to be that fun thing on the side. And then I think almost because that fun is infectious, it was able to grow and develop from there. So uh, in Edinburgh, you happened to meet Russell. Yes. And uh, is that what you'd consider your big TV break? Uh, yeah, that was amazing because we... We've got, it, we've got oh, a clip fantastic. of that now. Stop what you're doing, go and tell your friends The world is about to end, again We know it was before but this is now and that was then The world is about to end Stay up till like one in the morning, yeah. two in the morning yeah. Quarter past two in the morning Woo. When someone asks you why are you yawning Say we'll sleep when we're dead Which might be quite soon we're saying is go relatively crazy yeah, in a way that is safe and non-expensive. Just, just in, in case, case you wake, wake up and the world, world doesn't end because you will have to live with the consequences. <laughs> so that was on Russell Howard's show. And uh, what, he met you at the Edinburgh Fringe and... Yeah, he, he came along. Fell in love? <laughs> it's love at first sight. It, he, uh, it was hilarious. We were told he was coming along. So we put out a sign that said, uh, reserve for Russell Howard. And this is, we were in the back of a pub. It was very um, kind of low-key. And, and then he didn't come on the first day. So we just had this sign laid out and everyone, was la- everyone thought he was going to be part of the gig and mentioned. So we did that. Next day, same thing. And the third day he came along and yeah, he liked it. It was, it was amazing. Had he heard about his, his invitation through the grapevine? Is that, did he feel compelled to come on the third day? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure really. I mean, but Yeah, he was putting a new show together. So I think mm. he was up in Edinburgh looking for talent. And so, you know, his people had... had put him on our radar but I think he had a lot of stuff to see so we were just hopeful yeah no I feel like some of our listeners might need some context Russell Russell Howard um, a pretty young up-and-coming comedian himself he's probably had uh, probably had success in the last five or ten years I mean I remember him doing panel shows he doesn't do many panel shows anymore which is a sign of his success what would you describe his comedy as observational uh, sharp uh, energetic I mean he sold out I think 10 dates in a row at the Royal Albert Hall. So he's kind of, in the UK, he's right up right. at the top. He's no up and coming now. And, he's, yeah. and he's, got his, he's got a TV show which he features new artists on, new acts, I, I should say. And, uh, and yeah, we were lucky enough to do three songs on there, yeah. So That's yeah, incredible. It was amazing. And, sorry. Yeah, well, he came up through Mock the Week, which is kind of topical news show, and he's got his own show now. So that song that was played... He asked us to write because there was a prediction that the world was going to end, and so in 48 hours, apparently you well, wrote yeah. it. Yeah. Well, we had we did have four days, but two of them were my stag do. <laughs> so we well, should we hear more about that? I'm after sure. The break? I'm sure that was a cause of a lot of inspiration. Right. Well, yeah. quite. Yeah. Exactly. I thought the world was going to end. Yeah. Exactly. Aside from that, I saw that some of your performances. I mean, you're talking about everything from pandas to robot wars, which are basically my two favorite subjects. So, how did this? How did these ideas? What's your insp- where does your inspiration come from? The Panda song, uh, it was the end of 2016 and all of the news was just very depressing. You know, a lot of people's favourite celebrities were dying. I mean, it feels like these days there's always bad news. And there was this story that came out that pandas were no longer classified as endangered. Yes. And we were so excited about that. We thought this is a lovely, feel-good story. And the more we looked into it, the more just ridiculous things came out. Pandas are just the best 
animals ever. So like the collective noun for a group of pandas is an embarrassment of pandas. That's the <laughs> official term. I, that is official. Yeah, and stuff like this kept coming out. They can only get pregnant for like two days in yeah. the whole year. And they're and all owned by China, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all of their stuff it just kept blowing our minds. And, yeah. and, you know, we looked into it, which is amazing. They're no longer endangered. And then the official status had been upgraded from endangered to vulnerable. So yeah. what we were celebrating now is that all pandas are vulnerable. <laughs> and so all of this stuff just made us laugh. And then as we were writing the song, you know, some of the heart can come into it too. And yeah. it's about choosing your own destiny and this kind of stuff. So from that ridiculous framework, it's quite fun to work in more of a narrative, I think. So, sorry, this is a little bit of a detour from your work, but pandas, I spoke to a panda expert when that happened. Come on. <laughs> and I need to nerd out a little bit, because did you know, one of the issues that they were having is that they were so much in captivity, and they just, there's this, there's this common misconception that pandas don't want to mate, and that it's really difficult to make them mate. It just turns out they have a different way of doing it in the wild, where they're allowed to kind of woo each other and have selection, that they weren't able to do in captivity. <laughs> if this is too nerdy for you, <laughs> Harry, I'm clearly I, I, the comedian as well. There's a sequel to the song coming on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Embarrassment too. Oh, love the it. The panda seduction. Well, <laughs> tell me about, Harry, your very first experience with performing spoken word, because you picked this up at a young age. Yes. Well, I'd imagine anybody who does something like this, there must be the first time on stage where it's maybe not at the quality you're at now. Yes. What is that experience? What was that for you? Well, I always loved the, the writing side of things and playing with the language and the words. So even when I was a fairly embarrassed, awkward teenager, I'd spent so long on my rhymes that I wanted to get up and show them. So I would hide behind a piece of paper, read it out as quickly as I could, and then run off, and then wish that I'd enjoyed it more, and just do that process on repeat. And so there was something you know, almost addictive about it, but to begin with, you know, it was just because I listened to a lot of music and I loved the rhyme and, you know, growing up listening to children's poetry, there was always that love of language and literature. But I didn't really know what I was doing. I kind of learned as I went along. And part of it was wanting to entertain people and make people smile. But also, the more I did it, the more I realized there was a freedom that came with being able to be vulnerable in that work and to share more serious things in amongst it. And so I think for someone who's more naturally introverted to have a space where I can process my thoughts and, and be heard right. was such a precious thing to be able to do. Yeah, and we've been talking for the most of this conversation about your comedic side, but I do want to hear a little bit from the Sunshine Kid. Old man Sunshine was proud of his son and it brightened his day to see his little boy run. Not because of what he'd done nor the problems overcome, but that despite that his disposition remained a sunny one as it hadn't always been like this. Obviously, that is such a short, just like a little bit of a glimpse for us to get an idea of what you do. But tell me about this story. About Was it something that was personal to you? Yeah, so again, when I started, I was listening to performers and poets who had these incredible life stories. And I felt like as a slightly anxious teenager, I didn't have this amazing life to talk about. But I loved this idea of metaphor and story. And so that poem at its heart is about how you know I was picked on in school and I had a friend who was amazing and believed in me even through all of that and that, mm. that's a life changing thing to experience so I wanted to talk about that but I wasn't comfortable doing a poem that was directly about that at the time and so but I think by, by using stories there's a way that other people can relate to that you know I've had people halfway around the world email me saying I, I get these characters because there's 
you know, I think there's elements of truth in it that are universal, yeah. even when you feel like you're the only one going through something. So I think being able to play with language and metaphor and imagery is, is such a fun way to be able to get your story across. I would imagine that you get a lot of feedback because there is something about spoken word that is unique in the sense of the power that it has because it's it's poetic yet it is more accessible I think than a lot of poetry that you see. So there is something very kind of personal and emotional about it. So every time I see sort of really good quality spoken word, it moves you. You can't yeah. help it, you know. And I think that's what got me hooked into into the first place. I didn't I didn't know it was a thing until I saw someone performing and there and then they could give me goosebumps and then yeah. they could make me laugh and then they could make me cry all within the space of one poem and right. and it's such a powerful thing to be able to do to connect with people just using your words and so it was from that that I was inspired to go away and create more. I do want to quickly touch on the fact that you guys are teaching some workshops tomorrow. Yes. Um, Harry, you're going to be teaching a workshop on sort of just writing in, uh, writing poetry, I believe. Uh, Chris, you're going to be talking about uh, writing lyrics. Tell me a little bit about what it's like to teach people, because I would imagine that when people don't have experience in something like this, a lot of the first drafts, a lot of the first ideas might be just a little bit on the cheesy side. Is that the case? Yeah, and I think I think that's fine. That's great. We've all written cheesy stuff. I, I quite like a, a, a bad, to flush out a bad song, just to kind mm. of as like a palate cleanser before you get used to it. But yeah, if it's your first song, you're going to do rhyming brain with pain and drain and yeah. things like that, which are great rhymes. I've, I've done songs with those rhymes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, it takes a while. It is a skill. It takes a while to get used to it. And talent is just a, like a little part of it. So you need to just work and work and work and write 100 songs and, and, and crack on. And But yeah, it's all about honesty. So if if, it, if the song's honest, then it doesn't really sound cheesy, I think, because the person who's singing it or performing it is, it comes from a true place, so people can relate to that, I think. How do you approach teaching people to write? I, wanna, I mean, obviously you have a full workshop on this tomorrow, it's gonna take you a lot of time, but do you have top tips, for example, for people starting out, there are sort of one or two key things that you put out to people to think about as they're approaching this? I think one thing that I found really helpful that sounds obvious when, when I was starting out was someone, you know, kind of said you've got to write about what you know and about what you love. And so for me, that was about being a nerdy teenager who's into maths. And I think you, you don't only have to write about your experience, but I think as a starting point, you know, as Chris was saying, if there's an authenticity to it or an honesty there, then that often can brush over some, some shaky rhymes or whatever. And I think... What I love is, is giving workshops, you know, right down to primary school age, up to, you know, full-grown adult. And I think everyone has a similar thing of, they may not think of themselves as poets, but when they get started or they're given an opportunity to write, it's partly just about making space for that. And so I think if someone's given a chance to get what's in their head down on paper, that's such a freeing experience. So it's partly just about making space for that. We've convinced them to give us another little rendition because we've been enjoying some of the performances that they've been putting forward. And they have a special act that's coming up at 7.30 p.m. tonight that you can check out. And here's a second little piece from them that are going to perform for us. Absolutely. So we were asked back on Russell Howard's show uh, to write a song about fear. And this is what we came up with. Some people are scared of spiders. Some people are scared of heights. Some people are scared of posting photos online that don't get no likes. I'm scared of throwing away my crocs before they come back into fashion. 
back into fashion. Before they come into fashion. Some people are scared of not finding their passion. Some people are just scared of dashes. Why are they so long? What are they hiding? Some people are scared of expressing their emotions Some are scared to let themselves have too much fun I used to be scared that on stage my flies would come undone But it's something that I've overcome See everybody's had times where they've been quite scared One person's dream is another person's nightmare To all of you we say stop right there Some things go boo, some things go hiss, some things go Have you done your flies up Chris? Yep. Might seem ridiculous whatever it is But, but you, you don't, don't have, have to be scared. scared I mean there's a lot that's scary, there's a lot that isn't There's kids dressed as pumpkins and post Brexit Britain There's what we're faced with and what we do with it. Fear, Fear only has the power that we give it. it. People are afraid of the craziest things. Scared of close spaces. Claustrophobia. Scared of teenagers. A phobia. Scared of spicy potatoes. Alugobiphobia. Scared of Jedi. Obi-Wan Kenobi phobia. Scared of spicy potatoes shaped like Jedi. Alugobi Obi-Wan Kenobi phobia. <laughs> seen over the years there've been so many fears which may well have kept us alive but even though these days we're safer than ever the papers seem hellbent on stoking up terror now of course terrorism is scary but we don't think they need the free press fight fire with fire doesn't make much sense fight terror with terror makes even less in the uk you're far less likely to die in a terror attack than getting out of bed or going to work or falling off a ladder you are three times as likely to be killed by a ladder those rungy beasts <laughs> imagine if they gave the same coverage to ladders as they do to terrorists B&Q would be put on a watch list Bob the Builder would be accosted Window cleaners would have a serious panic Cash in the attic would just stay in the attic We'd be worse at maintaining property But we might be less afraid of minorities Some things go boo, some things go hiss Let's show you how easy fear-mongering is So when I say ladders, you say Ah! Ladders! Ah! Ladders! Ah! That's how you do propaganda, kids There's a lot that's scary, there's a lot that isn't Don't let other people make that decision There's what we're given then what we do with it Fear, Fear only, only has the power that we give it Cause we're programmed to look out for danger but we're no longer living in caves If we're projecting that fear onto strangers You wonder how it got this way Start off afraid of the unknown When does that learn to hating the unknown? Spend any time investigating the unknown Doesn't, Doesn't have, have the state as the, the unknown. unknown This was a list that took us three minutes Of things that immigrants brought to the British Fish and chips Chicken cottage, a cup of Horlicks Up to tea at the Ritz Marks, Marks and Spencer, Spencer Whatever world you're in We're, we're only coming over if you've got Percy Pigs The Royal Family The Mini Cooper Love or hate it, Marmite's the same. All our ancestors immigrated too, so, so it's technically everything, everything anyway. It's a lot easier to be scared of each other than focus on things that we share with each other. Like spicy potato shaped like Jedi. I look up, we want to know before we are. I look up, we want to know before we are. I like up, we want to know before we are. You don't have to be scared. I mean, there's a lot that's scary, there's a lot that isn't. It's up to us to work out the difference. Only together can we go the distance. Fear only has the power that we give it. Fear only has the power. Will we give it fear only has the power we give it but do watch out for those ladders <laughs> wow. oh congratulations that was an amazing performance that was really different from the first one in the sense of you know very clear message there mm. why did you guys Thank decide you. you had to you had to send that message out well, we were asked to write it about, uh, firstly about Halloween, and we struggled a bit, and then they switched it to be about Brexit, and we okay. struggled even more, <laughs> and then they switched it to fear in general. Right. And I think a lot of fear in the UK at least comes from the press and the media and how things are portrayed, and there's a lot of fear-mongering which really annoys us, yeah. so it's quite easy to write a joyful song out of a place of anger. Be honest, which one of you is scared of spicy potatoes? Because that's weird and I'm going to call you out on it. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm going to say Chris because yeah. I'm scared of you now. <laughs> What's the best reaction you've ever had to one of your uh, pieces to, that you've written? To that one, actually, we did a gig in Glasgow and someone who worked for the uh, council at helping um, different cultures understand each other and to reduce um, uh, essentially hate crimes. They said that song was like they're taking a page from their manuals or whatever and, and just put it into a song and that was really really nice because wow. <laughs> we, we, we were just writing it for fun um, yeah we well, a couple of tattoos as well that's a nice thing <laughs> really alright well guys thank you so much you have entertained us Nani and I have been just like glowing at this conversation really really enjoyed hearing you perform and appreciate you spending the time with us are you you're going to be here throughout another couple days so you'll be around at the lit fest anything yes. that you're planning to check out i'm guessing you're big readers yourselves um, yes i mean if if, it, if they're not sold out after this we're going to try and see oliver jeffers i think oh um, yes i've got i've got nieces and i'm on a mission to get some signed books um but also yeah there's such a huge range of stuff going on here we're hoping we can get to some wonderful well, so we're lovely to forward. meet you yeah we're Thanks looking so forward to the performance us. tonight thanks Thank so you. much you're listening to a dubai eye 103.8 special live at the emirates airline festival of literature hear from the world's greatest writers there's just so much more to hear download our podcasts at dubai eye 1038.com